Okay, hi everybody. Uh, this is On Purpose. You might recall, um, I'm Dr. John Duffy. Um, with me as always is uh, your very favorite and healthy Chicago <laughs> Tribune columnist, Heidi Stevens. Heidi. John. Come on, how are oh you? Oh my God, I'm What did you do? What, what, what the heck happened here? I mean, how <laughs> long do you have? <laughs> how long do the listeners have? Um, it's been a month. It's been a, it, maybe it's been more than a month. I don't even know what day it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, de it's definitely been more than a month. I, I, okay. I'm literally like, because I, I have a thing on my wall with just like, uh, as if I'm in prison. Uh -huh. how, many how many days Heidi's had COVID? <laughs> Do you write it in chalk or like, <laughs> right, right, like right. dry erase it's marker like very, or what? It's, it's kind of a Shawshank thing for me. I just sit in here <laughs> my studio and wait. <laughs> okay, I don't have COVID anymore. Um, I'm I'm clear of COVID, uh, but I did have it. So yeah, we can talk about that. I'm uh, I'm I'm eager. Maybe that's not the right word. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to talk about it with the hopes that it helps demystify this crazy virus that is still, even though it's been with us for eight or nine months now, still such a mystery to people. Yeah. Um, I hesitate only because, and I don't think this is true of the people who listen to our podcast, but um, among the readers who read my columns in the Tribune, um, you know, there's a fair bit of blowback from like the um, COVID is overblown group and the fuck your feelings group. And I think there's uh -huh. like an interesting Venn diagram happening there. Um, and I think like my own personal story will fall nicely <laughs> in their <laughs> section <laughs> and be an invitation to like just be awful and um to me which is like fine I'm used to it but it's like also you know you just I don't know it's funny it's like I've written about my divorce I write about parenting I write about like pretty vulnerable stuff yeah. but this one is like I think because there were moments where like I really what I really like and I and and now looking back on it I can see that I was, this wasn't rational, but I really did think at moments like I might not live. And so it still feels a little like, I don't really want to be picked on about that, but I also, um, as I was telling you earlier, I can put myself in the position of being a reader at, at this moment in time where cases are spiking all over the country and Thanksgiving is coming and people are wondering what if anything to do and and I can think like okay it's actually useful for people to hear like another story about how COVID went for them um right. so anyway all that being said um I do want to talk about it because I think you know maybe it can be useful to people so and so and other people who are listening you know statistically probably have also been through it you know either they had it or a family member had it or a friend had it and so I don't know I just feel like if you're willing and I don't judge anyone who's not but if you are willing to talk about it I think it can be useful and helpful to others well I think if there's something courageous about it you've posted about it a few times and um and and shown a lot of vulnerability and 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 I it I really honor that I it's it seemed 
Um, I don't know why, but it seemed really, really brave to me that that you were willing to do that. I think it, it is a really vulnerable thing to to talk about and um, an oddly like politicized, you know, issue, you know, and, yeah. and um, yeah. And I think so. So the first thing I would want to know if I'm listening and I guess I want to know, knowing you is how are you now? I'm good. I'm good now. Um, I feel like myself. I don't wake up with headaches um, or dizziness, which was really plaguing me for a couple of weeks after I got out of the hospital. Um, I'm I'm good. I'm not like I haven't gone out for a run yet. I'm not back at work yet, although I'm going back to work Monday. So there's like certain things that I would say would be putting stress on my body and my heart that I haven't tried yet. Um, right. But I'm cleared by my doctors to go ahead and ease into those things when I'm comfortable. And so, um, I really feel good. I feel good now. Um, and, uh, thank you for asking that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, so you mentioned a couple things there. One is, you know, when you were in the hospital, so this wasn't a mild case. This, this was scary, right? I mean, um, how, whatever you're comfortable saying about that, you know, like, do you mind just talking about it a little bit? Like the yeah, of it, what can, it was like? Totally. I can start from the beginning. I, um, you know, my daughter was turning 15 and we decided that she could have three friends from school. Uh, we could host them and do cake and, and we were actually even going to let them all spend the night. And, um, as long as they all went and got tested beforehand and we all, my family, husband and two kids got tested. Um, so that was the reason we got tested. I was not actually feeling anything in the way of symptoms. I had a headache for a few mm-hmm. days, but it, I blamed it on the, um, first debate, <laughs> the presidential debate. Cause <laughs> was, that was when my headache started. And I just, that was totally normal. I was like, Oh God, I didn't sleep well. And this is stressful. And I got to write about it. And um, Man, so I, I should have gotten tested after that. I yeah. had a headache as well. I, I just realized. I mean, I think most of America did. So I definitely did not think that that was a COVID symptom. That's my just body, receding now, by the way. Yeah, right. And it'll be back. Yeah, because we're (laughs) possibly witnessing a coup, but we can talk about that later. Um, Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, So anyway, long story short, I felt relatively fine. I mean, like with mild headache, body ache stuff that I 100% attributed to stress. Um, Got tested, got called two days later that I was positive, but my daughter was negative. Um, Michael and Will's subsequent tests were also negative. So I was the only one in the family who had it. They got tested a few more times just to make sure those weren't false negatives. And they were not, no, they never got it. So I isolated in my room, actually not my room in a little guest room we have off to the side upstairs. So, um, you know, and I would come out here and there, like cover my hands and newspaper baggies to touch the doorknob and like, wow, they would really? leave me food at the top of the steps. But, but it was actually, we fell into like kind of a sweet routine. It was still nice out, um, yeah. for that first week. And so like I would come down for dinner and I would eat on the deck outside and they would eat in the kitchen, the way our house is set up, like the kitchen opens onto the deck. So 
I could see them and they could see me and we could talk, but I was like outdoors and, you know, 12 feet away from them or whatever. And it was like a little nightly routine and it was sweet and everybody just pitched in and, you know, helped with cooking and dishes and all the things. And I just stayed in my little room and, um, That's and I was super sweet. It must be nice. I can imagine that you would want your kids to see you, right? I mean, and you yeah, want to see them just to exactly. see that, you know, like, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be okay. I'm not, you know, feeling great, but I'll be okay kind of thing. Totally. Was, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And like, you can FaceTime and stuff, but it's different to see the person like walking, you know, yeah. standing without tipping over, <laughs> like it's just breathing fine. <laughs> You know, there's some right. comfort in that. And and there was yeah. great comfort for me in seeing their little faces, too. And um, seeing the three of them, Michael and the kids, interact and get along, and which isn't unusual. But it's also like, you know, it's a blended family situation. And this is, right. you know, there's some reasons to panic when mom is sick. And, you know, my kids and I, oh, like, we've just yeah, been through a lot together. And I've been there, you know. I've been there. I've been a single mom with them for a while. Anyway, I'm getting off track, but not really, not really perfectly on track. (laughs) Okay. Um, it was important and valuable to certainly be able to see them face to face during some of that. So, um, like 10 days into that, um, I was cleared to come out of isolation. The, um, Department of Public Health actually calls you when you've got a when a positive test has been registered and they sort of go over guidelines with you and sort of like loosely attempt to contact trace. Um, So they had called me and they were like, "Okay, Wednesday, you know, we'll have been 10 days since your positive test. You can come out of isolation and be around your family again. And um, great. So that kind of reads like game over, right? Like, okay, I'm fine now. That's how it felt. And I was starting to feel pretty good. I Mm -hmm. like, you know, I definitely had body aches and a headache and like weird brain fog. All my symptoms were, I thought, neurological. Like I would just um, forget what I was saying in the middle of a sentence or I couldn't think of the word for stuff that was like such an obvious word. You know, I just, it was like a really bad hangover. Like my brain just wasn't working and everything hurt. And, but that stuff was starting to lift by day 10. So I was super excited to get up Wednesday and like rejoin the family. Yeah. Um, but I woke up Wednesday and I felt the worst I had felt the whole time. Like I, my head was just killing me and I was starting to get real dizzy. Um, before I would only get dizzy. Like if I tried to watch something on a screen or read something on a screen, um, but this was like just constant dizziness. Um, so I so, stayed so my you were not, one more day. This was, you were, you were really, even early on, it's not like you didn't notice that you had something, right? That dizziness sounds like a constant reminder and the headaches and the brain fog. It doesn't sound like you were ever symptom free. You, right. you, you felt you were very aware of it, huh? I was aware of it for sure. And, yeah. you know, it felt like about all I could do would be to lay in bed all day. Like it wasn't like, oh my God, this is so stupid. I feel fine. I wish I could be with my family. Like I didn't yeah. feel fine. <laughs> I needed okay. to pretty much okay. lay in bed all the time. Yep. Um, and, and that's what I did. Um, but mm. then it took just like a 
dramatic turn for the worse that day 10. And so just laid low that day. The next day, Thursday, woke up even worse. Like I couldn't walk to the bathroom by myself, but I also couldn't. I didn't want to ask anybody for help because I didn't want them near me in case I was still contagious. So I was like holding onto the wall. I mean, it just was like, I was a mess. So oh I my called God. my primary care doctor and told her and she was like, go to the ER. Um, so that's why I went to the hospital. If it, it was all stuff, it, I thought, um, in my brain, you know, I thought, yeah. I don't mean my imagination. I mean, like something was happening I thought to my brain, I was dizzy. I was, my head was killing me. So you thought um, something neurological was happening. I did. I did. Yeah. And I was really worried about a stroke because I had been reading, you know, about people in their forties getting COVID and having strokes at a slightly higher level than, mm-hmm. you know, you normally see strokes in people in their forties. Um, and so anyway, I got to the ER, um, I went to Northwestern. They were wonderful. They immediately did an EKG. And I don't know if that's because I have an underlying heart condition or if that's standard. But anyway, right. um, drew blood and um, found that I had pretty high elevated levels of troponin, which the way the doctor explained to me is like, it's an enzyme that if it's present, in your blood, like especially in women, you usually typically see none. Um, you might oh. see a level of like eight or something. Um, I had 49. Um, so that was wow. indicating to them that my heart was leaking this enzyme into my bloodstream. You shouldn't see it. If you see it, you want to see a tiny bit. They were seeing yeah. a lot for me. So, so they were like, sit tight, we're going to test you again in a couple more hours and just see if it's gone back down. And it actually went up. Um, so then they admitted me and then it was just like two nights, three days of like, um, tests mostly like Mm -hmm. to see if I had had a stroke and I hadn't, um, they gave me, kept giving me blood thinner shots, I think to prevent a stroke, um, or, you know, a blood clot, Right. At all, anywhere, right. That makes do, sense. Doing anything, mm-hmm. aneurysm or whatever. Um, and like ruling stuff out. So I had an echocardiogram and an MRI of my brain. Um, what else? Just trying to also like get the pain because I was still was having like these crazy headaches. Oh, this is the big thing. <laughs> this is, and I feel like <laughs> indulgent telling every little detail, but it's also like, I think it, I, this stuff I think is hopefully informative for people. Anyway, apparently. It feels important to know like what w- the course this can take that you just don't anticipate. Okay. This feels that's... like a, an enormous like course that's like, what, you know, it, you know, no, knowing you, knowing you're you're a pretty healthy human being, and that all of this is happening, and they they felt inclined to run all these tests, and and they needed to because you had this enzyme leaking through your system. COVID right. is rampant, right? And it and it's not um, particularly uh, it's it'll hit localized. you anywhere. It'll hit you anywhere, exactly. right? Localized. Thank you. Yes. Well, that's what. This was super eye-opening to me. The the emergency room physician um, who 
had detected the troponin levels said to me, um, you know, we sort of did a disservice um, by calling this a respiratory virus from the beginning. It's it's a virus that goes where your blood vessels go. And obviously your blood vessels go everywhere. So everywhere. it can damage any organ in your body, your brain, your heart, your lungs, your kidney, your liver, you know. Um, yeah. So it, it got into people's minds as a respiratory illness, but it's a lot more than that. So um, anyway, that same ER physician who had diagnosed me with the elevated troponin was like, that doesn't totally explain to us your headaches and dizziness, which um, are looking a little bit to me like viral meningitis. Um, so I had viral meningitis in 2011 and mm -hmm. he was like, do you know, do the headaches feel similar? And I'm like, they kind of do. So he's like, you know, we should do a spinal tap unless that word gives you like a heart attack. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> the main right. thing right now is your heart, but you know we we probably should do one to to see if you have meningitis as well. And I was like, that's fine. I've I've had it before. It's fine. So they yeah. did that, um, and that was like weirdly inconclusive. Like I had the protein in my spinal fluid that indicates viral meningitis, but not the white blood cells. So anyway, they said I had potential viral meningitis along with this heart thing. Um, so that was sort of my diagnosis. comforting conclusion. <laughs> right. Okay. right. Um, so anyway, I think that's why my... Yeah, yeah potentially. Um, <laughs> probable. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, there's not really anything you can do for it. Like, it just is sort of right. explains to you why you're in so much pain. It's like your meninges have swelled up. So, like, that... It's not comfortable. It's pretty much just telling you why things hurt. It doesn't. Yeah. It's a virus. It's just like COVID. Like you can't take a pill for it. You know, it's right. not, a, it's, you know, there's no antibiotic um, that you can take for that. So because it's not bacterial. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, so then I was kind of just laying around in the hospital waiting to feel a little better and having them check my blood every four hours to see if that troponin level was dropping. It finally did start dropping and they felt comfortable sending me home. Um, I think after the third day. And um, so then I've, you know, since then I've just been resting at home. Like I, the headaches were bad the first two weeks. Um, I didn't do much besides lay on my couch. Um, yeah. But now, I feel good. You know, I take walks every day and, um, like I'm up doing household stuff, you know, laundry and cooking yeah. and <clears throat> it's like a regular, I, I feel regular again. Yep. But it took but a while. This, it took a while, right? Mm -hmm. This took the, this took a, a really a good month if we were being honest about it. Yeah. Right? I took life. the test October 4th and they called me with the test results on October 6th. So, and today is November 12th, right? Right. Yeah. It was like a six week uh, ordeal, I would say. Yeah. So I look back at some of our texts and, um, first of all, you, you have been funny throughout, which I give you so much credit for. <laughs> um, but, but a number of times you wrote, not the flu, like you ended a text, yeah. with not the flu, like really, right. you know, very clearly, like, um, you know, don't, don't fool yourself into thinking that this is something small that that seemed right. to be a point you wanted to punctuate. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because, you know, we've been talking about this virus so much in terms of um, life and death. Like, does it kill you? Right. And how many people has it killed? And, you know, statistically, how likely are you to die if you get it? And those are extremely important points. I don't want to downplay that at all. That's extremely important to consider and to quantify and to, you know, um, grieve. Um, right. But it's also very damaging um, for people who survive it. Um, and you know, in all sorts of different ways. And so I feel like when we have these debates over reopening schools or um, allowing college football to go on or keeping restaurants open or or whatever we're debating and all things that are also extremely important to debate. And I don't think there are simple answers to them, but I think we have to also talk about this virus as a thing that can fuck you up. Like, even if you survive it and, and, you know, I got invited to join a Facebook group of like COVID survivors and I had to actually unjoin after a couple weeks cause it was freaking me out too much. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. It just wasn't good for my mental space and maybe I'll rejoin later, but I'm like in healing mode now. So I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. But, um, But, you know, there's all these stories from long haulers who are like still waking up with terrible headaches or brain fog or fatigue or body aches or, um, you know, and and I was reporting on that kind of stuff before I got sick. So I know those stories and I know they're real and and they're scary. And and I just that I think that's why I keep emphasizing like it's not the the flu. It's not a couple sick, lousy days and then you recover. it's, um, you know, it's, it's a serious thing. Yep. Yep. No. And your, and your point that, right. That it can fuck you up and it, right. it can, and it has lasting implications. I, I, so I read that the CDC came out with a report that said, um, 20% of people suffer prolonged, um, you know, um, mental, uh, illness or, you know, are diagnosed depression or, or anxious in the wake of this. And I was thinking, yeah. Twenty percent? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. It's it seems be low. Than that. <laughs> it right. seems so right. low. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? Is it fair to ask? Um, did you? Do you feel that? Do you feel any of that? I don't now. I don't. I don't think I do now. I would. It would have been interesting to take some sort of, you know, an inventory um, of some kind. Inventory, right? During yeah. the worst of it, because um, I definitely felt. Scared. I don't, I also don't know if, I mean, you would be the person to ask this. Like, I mean, if you're scared of something that's legitimately scary <laughs> um, and you're worried about the possibility of things that are very possible, like, is that actually anxiety or is that just like being a human who responds to things that are happening? <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? Uh, yes. And it's been, it's been the, it's been the strangest part of my year is, you know, typically I'm dealing with anxiety that is irrational and anxiety, you know, like, Per diagnostically, you know, you're, you're looking for the irrational thinking that leads to your anxiety. And, you know, this year when people say, you know, I'm worried about COVID or I've had, I've got it and I'm worried, it's kind of like, yeah, that's pretty reasonable, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So if you told me like, yeah, I was really nervous a lot of the time, you know, like when you had COVID, I was nervous a lot of the time, Yeah. (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I think it has legs, you know, I, I, I think, um, 
you know, I can imagine that your kids and Michael and, you know, all of us, your friends, you know, were, were worried. I think, you know, kind of as a populace, we're a little bit on edge and it probably puts into a, a big question mark, like, why, why is anybody cavalier about this? And maybe that's right. part of the point here, right? You know, is that- well, also the fact, and I, I have to believe this is playing into the 20% or higher percent of people who are feeling anxiety, depression, or insomnia after the diagnosis is the fact that like, there's really no end in sight. Like you can yeah. get it again. There's, you know, um, you know, recorded cases of people being reinfected with it. Once you've gone through it, and if you went through a kind of bad course of it, you can imagine people you love having to go through that. And that feels awful. Right. Um, you know, and, and you're, you know, maybe worried about the bills that are about to come in or your job giving you the time you need to heal or like, it's just, it's, and, and it feels like, not something that you survived and can move on from. It feels like something you survived and have to live with the specter of indefinitely, um, either reinfecting you or infecting someone you love and having them have it even worse. Or, I mean, you know, like that's the thing with my heart is I'm thinking like, um, I didn't get myocarditis from it. That's sort of the one heart condition that is getting a lot of press Uh associated with COVID. And I had an MRI, I don't know, last week or the week before, and they did not find myocarditis, which is huge because it means that whatever heart problems I have from COVID are probably acute versus chronic. So that's great news. Um, But I'm thinking like if one of my kids gets it, um, myocarditis is like a leading cause of, you know, premature death, like death among young people. Like it, and and that's associated with COVID. And so I, I don't feel super comfortable about them going back to school or, you know, joining a birthday party with a friend who's a little less, you know, strict about COVID or like it, it doesn't feel to me like a question of, well, is it going to kill them? It feels to me like a question of like, what's going to follow them around for the rest of their lives if they get this thing. And so all that leads to anxiety as well. Of course. Right. And, and I can imagine being concerned about like, okay, so I hope my heart isn't compromised. Even if I didn't have myocarditis, I've, you know, I had this condition before and that what, you know, what wear and tear did I put on uh, or did this whole ordeal put on my heart? And uh, yeah, you don't want your heart injured. You know, you just don't. It feels (laughs) like that's one of those things you want in (laughs) tip-top (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think that's a reasonable <laughs> assertion. Yeah. 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 I don't smoke because I don't want to, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but like there, you know, you do things that, you know, you make choices because you want to keep your organs in working condition. So it's like, oh my God, it sucks that this virus comes along and does damage to stuff that you've, you know, worked pretty hard to protect. Were you um uh, were you angry at all about just acquiring it? I'm just thinking like you were not reckless, right? I you, I know you well enough to know that you wore masks. You were you you might have been out and about a little bit, but you kept distance. You wore masks. Um, yeah, you, you hung out a couple of times. I feel like we were pretty careful. Right? Uh, is it kind of baffling? Masks. Like how the hell did this happen? A little bit. I a little bit. I mean, I also have never felt the need to like, um, nail down exactly where stuff gets picked up. I mean, I remember when 
my kids were little and would get, you know, pink eye or strap or what, you know, any of the thousands of things kids get. And, it, you know, my dad especially would be like, well, where did they get it? And, and I remember thinking like, who the fuck knows? Like what, <laughs> how the world, I don't know. Um, That's right. Like <laughs> it, just the idea of like being able to like pinpoint where viruses, <laughs> you know, enter into your orbit is so like, I don't, I don't know. You don't know either. You can think you knew. I mean, there's certain cases like a Rose Garden super spreader or, you know, like you read the stories about the wedding where, you know, 24 people got COVID or whatever. But I think those are the exceptions. I really think most people don't know where they got it. And it's airborne. It's airborne. So it's in the air. Um, So I think wearing a mask is hugely important. I think the more people who wear masks, the less it'll be in the air. Um, I always wear masks, but I certainly would run or walk or bike by people who didn't have them on. So did some of their COVID get through my mask or enter through my eyes or did someone sneeze on an apple at the grocery store and I picked up the apple and then touched my eye? I don't know. I don't feel like super compelled to figure it out. I will say... The time I felt angry, and it was mixed with a lot of other emotions, but when I was in the hospital and the ER doctor was explaining that to me about COVID not necessarily being a respiratory illness, but being a virus that goes where your blood vessels go, I had this immediate, like, really visceral, like, I almost wanted to cry, and I didn't, but I felt um, immense gratitude for this man standing in front of me and explaining this thing to me mm-hmm. and working to save my life and put his own life at risk in the process and all the people working around him. I just felt suddenly like, you know, how sometimes things just hit you. Like I just hit me in that moment, like, holy cow, these people are doing this day in and day out. And right, um, right, right. That must, and, that, that must be quite a revelation on occasion. Just like, oh, wow, they're here every day. They're here every day. Yeah. Risk and yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was also mixed with like rage. I'm not going to lie that like the people with his level of knowledge and experience were briefing, you know, our country's leaders um, months and months and months ago about how serious this was and what it could do and why it's not like the flu and how it's airborne. And and those briefings were um, either ignored or considered and then dismissed and then yeah. lied about. And yeah, so yeah, beyond minimized, right? Dismissed. Beyond minimized, lied about. Right. Yeah. And so we're in the situation where, you know, I'm that story I just told, like, I'm lucky. I mean, that that's a COVID success story. I came home and I feel right. fine. Um, you know, 230,000 now, I think Americans mm-hmm. died, you know, um, and, and, uh, and others have came home and feel awful still two, three, four weeks later, four months later. So, um, that left me like, it was just a weird mix. It was like, I was sad. I was pissed. I was grateful and, and all in this moment of like, and then I, I had to sort of like put it away cause I needed to just, you know, be in the moment and try to heal. But, um, it all makes if, sense though. Yeah. If anything made me feel angry, it was that I wasn't so much like, I 
I did my part. I haven't gotten my hair cut. And how did I get it? Like, I was more mm. like, yeah, I mean, it's out there and everybody, you know, might get it. Um, yeah. That part didn't feel like unfair or anger inducing for me. But the um, the fact that, you know, people with experience and wisdom and smarts and scientific brains have been <laughs> saying these things like this wasn't like this guy at Northwestern had stumbled upon something that nobody knew back in March nobody knew right. back in February nobody knew back like people knew and they told the president and he didn't and you can listen to it right <laughs> if you want to you can listen yeah. to it yeah Bob um, Woodward has right. it on tape <laughs> right 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 yeah um, yeah, and, and I will admit to you, like, I, I didn't know until you wrote me about the, that idea that, you know, like, you know, this is like kind of bloodborne and it's it, where your blood goes, it goes. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh, that's not what I thought, you know, like, right. and, and I've had this anxiety. My father died of, of um, lung cancer and um, and emphysema and the, the idea of anything upper respiratory. I have this like, you know, kind of wild phobia about. Sure. And, um, and then I was like, oh, it's anywhere? Like, you yeah. know, like then I was like, what else should I be afraid of? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was only afraid of one thing. Right. But, you know. <laughs> I got to put my whole body in the mix here? Yes. Yeah. Right. I've been in an iron lung for six months. <laughs> yeah. No, but but um, is there is there anything else? that, you know, just in this forum, you feel like, you know, you just want people to know or know about you and your story um, or just about, you know, the process in general? I mean, I would just say, and and the ability to follow through on this advice varies widely based on where you live, but I would just say to people, like, go ahead and get tested, like, for sure, before you get together with people outside your pod. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up and, I know people want to see family and I'm not going to be the one to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. They've been pretty clear about all that. But yeah. I just think like the idea that like, I feel fine. Why would I get tested? Like you can feel fine and have it. It, it like just get tested, just get tested. Even if you're not going to go see anyone, just get tested. If you like in Illinois, it's pretty easy to get tested. I have relatives yep. in other States who are having a really hard time getting tests. We are lucky. Um, certainly in Chicago, there's state run sites all over the place. There's private run sites that if you show an insurance card, the test is still free. It's just like, I just think it's one of those things that's scary to navigate and then go through. And it's like, oh, the nasal thing's going to hurt. And, and it hurts a little bit, but I just think, you know, there's no national testing strategy in place. It's sort of left to us to um, decide when and whether to get tested. And my advice would just be to just do it, just do it. Even if you feel fine. Um, because then, you know, and like the other weird thing is like, there's just, you know, we're grasping at any, you know, advice and wisdom we can get. And, and a lot of it is based on facts and, and experience and statistics, but it's not, foolproof so like for example i never had a fever i mean that entire time i never had Is a fever that so right never had a fever i took my temperature wow. every day at home they took it every four hours in the hospital never had a fever so like you go you know to 
I took my son to the orthodontist this morning. They take your temperature, you know, before they're, they let you in the door, which is great. It's better than right? nothing, but it's not like fail safe. Um, it's not a test. It's not conclusive. It's, right. And like yeah. my brother was like, well, you never lost your taste or smell. I thought that was, you know, everybody lost their taste or smell. I'm like I didn't, I didn't have a lot of the stuff they tell you to watch for. And, and, and when I got to the hospital, I, you know, they tested me for COVID um, and I was negative and they were like, okay, that's great. That means it didn't hang around your body for more than, you know, 12 days. Cause my positive right. test had been 12 days before that. They're like, that's really good news. Some people it's hanging around their bodies for like 20 days or whatever. So that's another thing that I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. Like if someone waited till they felt awful, like I went to the hospital and I felt awful. Not when yeah. I felt bad, when I felt awful. If you wait and go like, oh my God, I guess I better go to get tested. And then you get tested and you don't have it. You're like, oh, I guess it wasn't COVID. It's like, well, it might've been COVID a week and a half ago though. Wow. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And um, how many people did you maybe come in contact during then, during that time? And should you maybe call them? So it's just like, it's, it's wild and impossible to contain at this point, but yeah. I just think we could all do our parts to like, at least here and there randomly for no other reason other than that. It's a rampant virus that's airborne. Just go get tested. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I can imagine that uh, a lot of people feel like I do, like really grateful just to hear your story. Uh, not, not many of us know a story kind of like beginning to end. And I, um, it, it's, it's hard to hear, Heidi. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're okay. And it is, what a brutal ordeal. And the idea being, you know, I can imagine that, you know, like just knowing you have it, that fear of like, I it's possible I'm not going to make it through this. Like, you know, yeah. that, that's just such a terror. I, I can't really wrap my brain around, you know, like just having to carry that around on top of like, I feel super dizzy. I have a headache. I, you know, I just feel shitty and, you know, I don't know that this gets better. Yeah. That seems like a, just a terrifying, awful, awful feeling that, you know, have when we're getting sick right you know what i mean like like a lot of us have had the flu and it's like oh yeah well this sucks and i know i'll feel fine in a couple of days but, yeah you know, yeah but just to hear your story it's like oh yeah this can like morph into something really really horrifying yeah again yeah. and and it just you know the you're a parent you know this the the thing that scares you the most is like, I don't ever want my kid to go through this. You know, yeah. you're just like, yeah. I don't, I'll get better. I hope if I don't, you know, I, I mean, my, my fear is always like, Oh my God, I can't leave my kids, you know? Sure. Of um, course. And then once you get past that and you know, you're going to be fine, then it's like, I don't ever want my kids to go. I don't ever want them to have this level of pain or fear or whatever. And so it just, it just, has to be taken seriously you know it just has to I know it sucks to have your kids remote learn and not have sports and it sucks for business owners to have shutdowns it sucks it all sucks but it's like I also think oh having the virus <laughs> sucks too and and I can't I would not want anyone I love to go through that 
and I'm I'm kind of glad we're talking about it now because I suspect that we are talking about this on once again a day where the number of new cases uh, is higher than it's ever been yeah. in the U.S. Right, and yeah. so um, you know I think with all the other um, headlines kind of grabbing our attention, I, I, I think some of us have kind of like out of the convenience of not having not of not worrying about it or choosing not to worry about it have backburnered this issue, you know, um, and, and I think we've done this a few times over the course of the year. And that feels just in light of your story and all the stories we hear, um, like just really, really foolish. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's there's so much to pay attention to right now. And, you know, the presidential stuff is is also huge and important. And this summer, the social unrest stuff was also huge and important. So it's not a matter of like, oh, Americans, you know, why are they so easily distracted? Or I don't, it's not that at all. Right. All this stuff like deserves and demands our attention, but it's like, so does the virus. And especially when you're making personal choices about, you know, what to say yes or no to, or whether to put on your mask or, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, it feels weird to take any left turn into anything else, even though everything else is happening. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Right. Um, yeah. So, so my bias, I think would be, um, to, to leave it there unless you feel very compelled to, uh, to touch on, um, a, a different issue as if I, I don't think there's anything else going on, but if there's anything else going on in the world, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we've talked uh, more than our normal amount of time, so we probably should let people get back to their lives. Um, we could talk about the, you know, election and where it stands next time we talk. Maybe we maybe we don't wait like six months to talk again. Maybe. Oh, right. We could do that. Yeah, that's true. Some podcasts <laughs> tape more frequently than every six months. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, we've gone back and forth, but. Uh, right. <laughs> And maybe is it we'll annual? Have... Is it weekly? Is it <laughs> semi-annual? Well, it's fun to keep people guessing. <laughs> By is the it way, quarterly? One, thing, one thing you should know is, and I probably should have let you know this, is people have been writ- written me asking how you are. Oh, like, you know, so I've gotten a, a number of questions about how, how are you, and a few people asking, you know. Where's the damn podcast? Let's go. Let's have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we've so, broken back into it, we'll, I've, we'll I've recorded my that. first podcast. Maybe I'll take my first jog, you know, next week. And then um, we'll do our, our follow-up podcast. Yes. I feel like there's still going to be plenty to talk about in like I a week. I suspect, yeah, we might touch on the electoral college. It'll be it's hard to say. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. There, we'll there, see. Things, things seem to be changing rapidly. But listen, I am thrilled that you feel good now. I am um, really grateful that you told your story. I think it's really, really useful. Um, and just on a very personal note, I am overjoyed that you are okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, your story... Um, probably is going to be meaningful to our listeners. And I encourage people to heed, especially your last few words about like, don't, don't take it lightly. And, you know, like just 
wear a mask and get tested and, you know, and then maybe we can like put this thing to bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. So thank yeah, you. Along I, with the vaccine very... news and the possible yeah. new president. I mean, new president. I'm not going to say possible. Vaccine news, new president. New president. There's, new president, there's lots new to be cabinet. hopeful for. Mayor Pete. Yeah. Mayor Pete's heading to Washington. I'm making a movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eager to see that. Okay. All right. We'll All talk right. to you uh, hopefully in the next week or two. Good talking to you. Perfect. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.